Bombs it. Right yeah. There. It's 9-11. Never forget. Well, may- maybe Brooke will be tired and need to go. Um, I think I'm here till 10 and then I'm asleep. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I'll get really excited. Well, Brooke, uh, welcome to our cozy little podcast here. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the nibblers? Sure. To all our nibblers out there. I am Brooke. I am related by blood to Aaron and Scott. They're my full siblings. Bloodkin. Same parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else do I say? Um, what are your credentials? Zero credentials. Just joking. I, uh, what what qualifies you to be a gibbler? <laughs> well, great, great fan. Oh, thanks. You are a really good fan. No, not how of many, you guys. How many <laughs> episodes have you listened to? I haven't listened to any episodes, but to be fair, you didn't tell me that you released any episodes. <laughs> Or anyone else. Or how that we were episodes... do- doing a podcast, really. I did know you were doing a podcast. How but... many episodes would you have listened to had you known? All of them. Whoa. Four times each. Oh, whoa. Yeah, but I wasn't... Uh, I, honest, honestly, That's I kind of think fan. that makes you our biggest fan because, <laughs> because I think the only person who's listened is Jared, and he's probably only listened and That's our once or maybe less than once. Did you tell Jared that you had released an episode of the podcast? We did. So that gives him an unfair advantage. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. Um, but unfortunately, I was referring to, uh, like, Studio Ghibli. And oh, yeah. You're, well, a big, you're a big fan of Studio Ghibli. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Understandable. They, they're, they're pretty good, too. And I would say I've watched many other, many of them. What was your first Studio Ghibli experience? Do you remember? I think it was Princess Mononoke, but I don't remember too much about that's my feelings. What, that's what I think, because did you watch it at the Allens? Maybe. Yep. Shout out to the Allens. That's where I wa- That's where I was introduced to Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't remember specifically, but that's probably the case. Mm-hmm. Um, what film did we watch today, Scott? We watched Kiki's Delivery Service. Mm-hmm. I want to say, though, also about Brooke's credentials, she studied film. True. For her (laughs) bachelor's degree, so that's not nothing. (laughs) That is true. And she's an essayist, a published uh, essayist, and she wrote an essay about the particular film that we're discussing today, Mm -hmm. Kiki's The Live Serve. True. Yep. Pretty niche essay. Mm Mm-hmm. That was that you got that published. It will be published oh. in the future. It, it got picked up. Yep. Whoa! It's a, by it's what or who? The by common homeless person just picked it up off the ground, hmm. and they and they said they're gonna publish it. Just kidding. What's the publishing called? I think there, it's the by common consent press, which is a Mormon blog that started a press. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, so the book is actually called Mormonism in the Movies, and it's exploring the intersection between like faith and film. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And this one, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, definitely an interesting one. 
when it comes to themes and faith and journeys and maturing and evolving as a person. Yeah. Um, but before we get into all that, I think we should talk about uh, a little bit of our viewing experience. Mm. Uh, maybe dive into a little bit of subs versus dubs, oh, the yeah. ongoing debate. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, what, so talk about what our viewing experience was like. I, uh, I would have to say it was a wild ride. Whoa. And, uh, almost like the wild ride that Kiki went on, on her broomstick. I would say our journey into the woods of sub versus dub theory mirrored and practice mirrored her emotional journey. Uh, in that, I feel like I've grown. <laughs> Did you feel like you lost your inspiration for a second and then regained it? I lost your inspiration in subs and dubs? Yeah. I, I lost my whole orientation. I feel like this... My uh, whole confidence in knowing what I'm talking about, subs and dubs-wise. I feel I've like this simile it. is kind of breaking down a little bit. Well, let's just say that we uh, decided to watch this one uh, subbed. That is, with subtitles underneath. Because we had all watched it dubbed many a time. Yeah. And so we wanted to go for a different experience. And man, oh man, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah. It became very uh, clear right away that the dub in English is is very different from the Japanese version. I would say my estimate is that there's... One quarter, maybe like one fifth less dialogue uh, in the original Japanese than there is in the dubs. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the subs, wit and in the dubs, because we determined that the the English dubs matches the English subtitles, but uh, the, at least on our particular DVD, right. And, and there are multiple versions, so I did some research. There were multiple dubs. Uh, made, you know, mm. and this subtitles comes from the text of the uh, two thousand year two thousand dub, which was when Disney picked it up, and uh, featuring Phil Hartman and Kirsten Dunst and Janine Garofalo, mm -hmm. and it was like the more famous dub. There was a previous English dub that was less famous, but with the with the year 2000 Disney dub, they really changed a lot. And those changes were approved by Hayao uh, himself. Really? Yeah. So the, that's that's really interesting because the changes were, were drastic, I'd say. Very it big. didn't change the plot, really, but except like... Except at the very end. Yeah, except at the very end it did. Mm -hmm. But the main difference was that the character of Gigi the Cat changed completely yeah. from the Japanese version to the Disney dub. So you get this weird thing where there's subtitles appearing, but no one's saying anything in Japanese. And, and, but if you were to turn on the English sub or dubs, then the subs would match exactly. But there's a lot of just like silence on screen where there's like these, these subtitles of like the Gigi, the cat saying snarky things. And and even Kiki responding mm -hmm. and Gigi yeah. saying something back. And other characters, too, had lines 
in the dubbed version that they didn't in it the Japanese version. It just fills in a lot of the kind of slower, what I now realize was supposed to be kind of a quiet, slow, mm-hmm. more contemplative film. Yeah. yeah, in the Japanese original, it's a lot more quiet and slow and... Right, and 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 the yeah, and this English dub version that we're reading the subtitles for, they just fill in a lot of those gaps by just making basically commentary about what's going on. A lot of commentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just kind of a little banter, and and Gigi in the Phil Hartman version is just a lot more of a kind of comedic, uh, you know. And he's like, "Look at all these cars." Yeah. And in the in the Japanese original, they don't say anything because you can see the cars and yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but that sounds like we're like we're uh, a little bit down on the Phil Hartman version. I loved the Phil Hartman version. Yeah. Maybe because I have an undying love for Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. Uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. And actually, I think the 2000 version it says dedicated to Phil Hartman. Huh. I read that. Wow. Yeah, because he died right around then. Yeah. Mm. Like right after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, RIP. Man, but the Phil Hartman version, like, I really, when I watched the first time, I thought I thought that he did a really good job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Maybe that's because I'm an American. Yeah. But uh, I liked the banter. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of... We were we, trying to decide if it was like a cultural thing that Americans just need more banter and comic relief or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like uh, they didn't feel like it. Disney didn't feel like it would, uh, it would appeal to a young audience or something mm-hmm. if it didn't have enough banter. Mm-hmm. And if Gigi wasn't uh, wasn't enough of a kind of comedic animal. And you know what I'm taking away character. from it is like dubs. Uh, dubbing a film is an art and it's a it's um like cultural translation is what is what you're doing mm-hmm. i mean translation in and of itself is an art right yeah and there's different theories yeah. and approaches to it and dubbing you know is a is mm-hmm. is an art um and well the, another interesting thing so i guess in japanese culture all cats are thought of as having feminine voices, even if they're male cats. Oh. And so you can tell that the cat, who's obviously male, because did you read that, or are you just are you just making that? I read that on Wikipedia. Oh, okay, yeah, because we were wondering about that. How Gigi's voice is very much. Yeah. We thought maybe, maybe it's supposed to be like a young boy's voice or something, yeah. but and you can tell that it is in fact a male because at the end it reproduces with a female, mm, which, cat. as we all know from science, is only possible with a male cat and a female cat. That's right. No lesbian cats in this film. There might be, but I just don't. They'd have to adopt, probably. Or they artificial insemination. They the looked bi- biological. The children. Yeah. yeah, they did because the female cat was white and Gigi was black, and the cat, the kittens, the kittens were white and black. So therefore, we could tell that they were most likely biological, and therefore, ergo, we're waiting for the genetic testing to come back. Probably not lesbian cats. We're not sure, but and but that she did say he. It, uh, well, okay, there could okay, be some okay, cats in okay. the background. It or just on the seems streets. like a stretch to me that they would adopt 
white cats and black cats. It seems like a lot of trouble to go through, you know. And they didn't hint at any paperwork or interview. They didn't show any paperwork or any of that. So, so more what we're coming uh, down to is that we think it's more likely that the male cat has a kind of feminine voice. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But that they made it in a traditional male and female. Yep. Cats. Whatever. Way. However that happens, oh, we're right. not going to go into it. Mm-hmm. You know. This is talk a family-friendly. Yeah. Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, did it make you uh, like dubs more than uh, s- subs? You know, you know what I'm saying. Like I said last time, I like a good dub because there can be bad dubs, and like Grave of the Fireflies, just that one voice, that one bad voice in that dub, mm-hmm. just made it un- unlistenable. Right. For That's me. true. But but I loved. Uh, Kiki's delivery service dub. Yeah, I loved Phil Hartman's voice. I thought it had good, uh, good casting. Yeah, you know what it made me realize how much you can change a film with the dub, the dubbing. Mm-hmm. Like, and we were kind of talking about it during the movie, and I was thinking about it. Like, uh, you could really make a whole different, a whole different film if you just changed all the dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know. Same visuals, all different dialogue. You can make a whole, a completely different film. I was hoping or kind of longing for a subbed version that wasn't just taking word for word the dubbed version. And I think it might be out there. So I was just kind of sad. I, I, I like the dubs for Kiki, and I, but I've seen it many times and I just wanted to get a new experience. A I sub like that was in... more faithful to the Japanese. Yeah, well, this sub wasn't, this wasn't really subtitled. In the traditional sense. They just took the script of the dub and put it in a subtitle. That's true. Most subtitles are very different from the dub titles. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And am I right that this subtitles was like for deaf people and there's a difference between subtitles that are for deaf the deaf and, and other subtitles? Dude, you're straight up right because they had like they would show when she grunted and when she sighed and they would have all that kind of stuff in that they have the music notes and you thanks, know dude yeah thanks for getting my back on that one dude you know i always have your back we're the jibblers we're the jibblers straight up um what about the content of the movie i loved the content oh, of this movie that was i think my favorite part about it was the content the content me too. Let me so tell good. you about what I loved about it. I love. I just love the concept of uh, a movie about witches where the witches are just sort of like just one step away from normal mm. people, you know? Yeah. They're just like, they're, they're, they're almost normal people, yeah. but they, they can fly, you know? Right. They're not like uh, some underground society of... You know, they're not super powerful either. It this seems... isn't Harry Potter world. Yeah. No, yeah, they're not underground. I like that too. Everyone's just like, oh yeah, witches. Like, uh. they don't seem to know a lot about them, mm-hmm. but a lot of people seem fond of them. There's not some kind of intense conflict over it all. It's mm-hmm. not like there's people that want to burn all the witches or that they hate them or that they especially love them. It's just like, oh yeah, we had, yeah, we had a witch here like yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. And, and, and cool. when she first gets to the town that she goes to, um, should, should we do the segment of synopsis? Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, let's do a synopsis. Um, Brooke, help me out with this synopsis. I heard Brooke's good at this, but no pressure, Brooke. I'm good at this? Yeah. The synopsis uh, game. Do we do... Oh, how is... What's the game? Um, you, you just... Uh, the big... <laughs> It's really stupid. I don't know if I want to do it anymore. It's basically just it. it's basically just you say the, the synopsis, synopsis of really the movie poorly. but really poorly and like a dumb person. Oh. It's not that funny. Um <laughs> yeah. But it can be fun to do. It sounds like you're going to rhyme. Oh. Um if you're wearing a shoe. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I am wearing two shoes right now. Go for it. Um, so basically... Which girl... Like... Which girl flies off, finds her town? Well, witches have to find a town. It's like training for them. Mm-hmm. I, and then... But they... She's 13 years old. Time to go. So young. I feel like I lost my mojo. No, you didn't. No, it's not working, guys. Shut it down. (laughs) (laughs) 13-year-old Kiki Witch gets her cat, jumps on a broomstick. Oh, I made this broomstick. Mom's all, you should take mine. It's older. She flies away and flies next to a sassy girl. (laughs) (laughs) Sassy girl's like, I'm from Big Town. See ya. I have lots of skills. And Kiki's like, what's my special skill? I don't know. Guess I'll keep flying. Look at yonder town. It looks like floating place. But it's not. It's just by the sea. They fly on over and she's all, nobody likes me. And then gets a job at bread making fort. And... <laughs> It, uh, and they're like, we, why didn't you ever tell us you were a witch that wanted to live with us? We have a spare room. <laughs> and she was like, oh, can I live there? And they were like, sure, but you got to make a delivery service. <laughs> and she said, okay, Kiki's uh, delivery service. Kiki had that idea herself. And then the title comes up, Kiki's delivery service. And then she, just delivers stuff. she starts delivering stuff. And she's so and good pies. at it. And she loses a cat, stuffed cat, that's in a bird cage. But oh no! The oh. birds are attacking her. Ah! Also, boy likes her a lot. Ah, uh, boy loves her so much. But she's like shy. Ah, this boy likes me, but I'm shy. And then she loses her mojo when she's too mean to him. Or maybe, or some other reason. (laughs) She loses her mojo, and artist, uh, feral artist woman from the woods teaches her the ways, and then she chills out and saves her boyfriend from a blimp. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She got it back. Her mojo, by the way, is her flying powers and her ability to talk to Actually, the title in Japanese was Kujimojo Chinan Chanje. Which translates to Kiki gets her mojo back. Oh. You just made that up. <laughs> was that offensive? Yeah. I feel like there was some Korean in there, too. <laughs> Korean sounds. Yeah, I think, I don't know. It was sort of a mishmash. Kiri mojo, Kiki san sanda. 
That's pretty good. Yeah. I hope no one who speaks Japanese ever listens to this podcast. I think we can just assume that that was offensive. So let's do the on-air apology right now. I think nibblers out there know where our hearts lie when it comes to Japanese language and culture and knows that we're just we're just jimming ya. We're just razzing dazzling. We're just uh, shooting the goose. We're just, yeah, we're just plopping the tom. <laughs> yeah, well, we love we love Japanese culture, or else we wouldn't be so in love with uh, these particular Japanese folk who make these wonderful movies. <laughs> yes. But besides them, we also love... So what I'm saying is I love... refuse to apologize. Okay. And we'll just leave it there. Yeah. Send your uh, complaints to thegibblers at gmail.com. Yeah. That is our email address. Is it really? Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, cool. I got it. Can you believe it? We're official. No one took that. No one, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They were about to take it, though. So I'm glad you I'm did. really surprised. Yeah. Because we're blowing up, and I, we're like two episodes in, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I haven't grabbed that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be worth a lot of money. Yeah. To us. Mm-hmm. I can hold it ransom from us. Mm. Why would it be worth a lot of money to anyone else? Um, because uh, the Jibbler's name is going to become huge. Oh, the brand. The brand. Uh, that's true. Okay, well. It's going to be on the lips of chil- of children and and pilgrims all across the land. It's going to be a safe word used by mothers to comfort their children. Mm-hmm. It's going to be whispered in the ears of babies. <laughs> <laughs> Basically what I just said. Dang it. <laughs> um, lullaby. It's going to be a lullaby. Yeah. It's going to be like something that a freaking parent says. To their kid when the kid is sad. And the parent is a poet parent studying poetry for his PhD. Oh, <laughs> or her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Parents can be female. I didn't mention the gender. I just said a parent. His PhD? You said his. I, oh, okay. <laughs> gotcha. Man. <laughs> I, I have to be like the the caveman offensive person of the podcast. <laughs> we'll switch off each week. You think that parents can only be male. You think that Sorry, Japanese Sorry, and people... I just implied that people who live in caves are only men, and I apologize for that. <laughs> Cave woman. <laughs> you think that Japanese people sound like, what was it? You well, here's sound the like, thing. Hoji, Hiro. Here's the thing. Moji, I say moshi. this so affectionately. I love... Japanese people's diaphragms, and they use it. You uh, know what I'm saying? No, I know what you're saying. <laughs> that means <laughs> I love you <laughs> in Japanese. Dingy <laughs> desu I don't even want to tell you what that means. Oh, Japanese. is it something offensive? Yeah, sorry. Uh, I can't believe I said that. Just I'll, kidding. I'll bleep I love it Japanese, out. And, and it shouldn't be made fun of. But um, what I love more than Japanese is, is this movie. 
Well, and I <laughs> I wanted to talk about the themes because mm 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 tasty themes in this film. Am I right? Yeah. I thought they were scrumptious. <laughs> let's uh let's go down to the uh the corner store and pick up some hot piping themes uh and just munch them down. So, what were your favorite themes to just chew on during this movie? Um there's the theme of uh of um what's it called when you go from being young to old and coming you have to do a age. coming of age and rite of passage themes. Mm. I agree. And independence, which is fun because she's only 13 and she moves to a new city and it makes you think what if I was 13-year-old girl moving to new city? Yeah. Yeah. And there's That's a- so young to be moving to a new city. Yeah. It's just a tradition of all witches. Um, would would I be right in saying that there's a theme of uh, like making your own way and not uh, being a standard whatever you are? Totally. Because standard witches, they make potions. They're fortune tellers like that snobby girl that she ran into. Mm-hmm. They probably, I've never heard of a witch whose main thing is that she uh, delivers packages. That's true. She's re <clears throat> re-envisioning the witch archetype. Mm-hmm. And and it was pointed out in a thing I read that witches are supposed to wear black, and that's made clear by her mother mm-hmm. at the beginning. But she, uh, so she does do the traditional black, but she also wears a red bow in her hair yeah. to kind of say, yeah, I'm a witch, but I'm in the digital age. <laughs> I don't know if the bow was particularly digital. digital. I interpret it as she's saying, "Yeah, I'm a witch, but I ra- I go to raves <laughs> sometimes." A red I... bow just yeah, just screams that. Yeah, to me. Just kidding, but you know what I'm saying. A modern woman. Yeah, she's a modern girl. Yeah, she. I think I don't know if it's about being modern. I just think it's about being her own her, self, her, her own, own flair. Kiki, yeah. Mm-hmm. Scott uh, named a ferret after Kiki. Yeah, every time I hear the the name Kiki, there's a little stab in my heart mm. because of my sweet ferret named Kiki who I had to get rid of because my landlord said so. But as far as we know, she's uh, still living a happy life with her new owners. Yeah. I uh, sold her to some uh, uh, young couple who are nerds. And that made me, that made my heart sing, soothed a mm-hmm. little bit. Nerds in an affectionate, you know what I'm saying? They seem like nice, they seem like, they seem like ferret people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's a kind of person and. Yeah. No, if you had, if you had dropped her off uh, at a girl's house, uh, like the girl where she drops off the herring pie, uh, I'd be worried oh, about uh, Kiki. uh, uh. Yeah. In th- that, by the way, we were discussing while we watched the movie is one of the saddest parts of the movie. Yeah. Because, let me just get the nibblers up to speed. Grandma makes hair and pumpkin pie, has Kiki deliver it to her grand her to her granddaughter who's having a party. She put a lot of care and love into it. Granddaughter gets it and says, I hate my stupid grandma's stupid herring pie. Mm-hmm. And it was so sad. It makes, yeah. That made me want to cry. Mm-hmm. But you know what I liked 
even though we immediately don't like that girl, uh, she is friends with the boy, mm-hmm. with Tombo. Yeah. Uh, which I think is interesting. Because oh. it's not, it's not like, uh, you know, usually in like kids films, there's like the bullies and the good guys and they're very oh. separate. Yeah. I have something to say about this topic. Say it Say all it, over girl. this podcast. Say it, don't <laughs> <laughs> because, well, one of the things I really like about the tone of this film, especially as a children's, thought of as a children's film, is kind of what Aaron was just saying. And that's that usually um, children's films like to kind of make caricatures and do very sort of black and white villains and have sort of... Um, Big over the top conflicts, goals, and then conflicts that are uh, arise to like get in the way of the goals and they like external conflicts. Yeah. yeah. So I just like the gentle kind of gentle tone of this film mm-hmm. and how it has does have conflict but no overt villain. And so it complicates that good guy versus bad guy narrative because the, the types of conflicts or obstacles that Kiki encounters are not because of some kind of embodied evil or anything like that. It's just that she's, you know, moves to a new town and then it's she feels kind of shy. Sometimes she's bored. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the, there's a storm and she gets sick. Sometimes kids are not all the way nice to her, but it's not this really black and white good versus evil thing. Yeah, the kids aren't mean to her necessarily. They could be nicer, but she's also quite shy. Yeah, mm-hmm. they could be more inclusive like in a perfect world they they see that she's shy and go out of their way to to invite her in and make her feel at ease. Mm-hmm. And they don't. Mm-hmm. But they're also not bullies. Mm-hmm. They're not being mean to her. Right. Which I think is cool because like we mentioned like She's a 13-year-old girl going to a city, going off on her own for the first time. And, but, and they do, the film does portray her as very vulnerable. There's a little scene, just a short scene where she's going to the bathroom and mm-hmm. the yeah. husband comes out and just kind of stretches. And yeah. she and she sees him and like goes back in the bathroom. Cause just because it's this man, it's this big man, and she feels vulnerable. Yeah. You know? Can I just say... I don't, what is it about that character and his design that made me, even though I've seen this movie before and I think I went through the same realization at the end of the movie, I didn't realize until the end of the movie again that that's her husband. Right. I just assume it's like some big brute guy that works at the bakery. Like, because he well, never talks, I guess, is the weird thing. Because Baker, Baker Lady is. Baker Cakey. Baker Cakey is so, is so cool. And and like smart and yeah stuff. yeah you feel like she married be- beneath her because I remember thinking in the movie like oh man she's so cool where's her husband oh, it's too bad that she's like a widow or something yeah and there's <laughs> just she's this pregnant. dumb idiot she's like nine I know pregnant. I know but I'm like yeah who is the husband for this baby mm. it's like because you know well you also never see them like kiss each other or like yeah you know it's like a fiddler on the roof type arrangement I. Uh, assumed, mm. like the like. Uh, no, I've I've seen Fiddler on the Roof m- m- so many times, and I know everything about it. But for the nibblers, explain what you mean by that. Aaron, you haven't seen Fiddler on the Roof. 
It's so what? good. What? I, I just said I've seen it a bunch of times. <laughs> it's a, what I mean is like, it's like a mutual tolerance type of, it's like a marriage where they each have their jobs and it's like unspoken, you know, they, they know they love each other because they both do their jobs and like, they mm. don't really like, you know, they're not all mushy gushy. Mm. That was my uh, sense. Yeah, it could be. But I want to hear from Brooke about, she talked about the obstacles to Kiki's journey being not so like black and white and not necessarily external, but these uh, some internal things. What's her main obstacle? Because that touches on a big theme that I think we haven't really talked about. Yeah, say it all over this podcast. Her main obstacle? Losing her powers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Losing her powers. <laughs> I felt like I was uh, I was a test for a second. <laughs> well, because that's what you wrote about a lot, right? right? Yeah. So her main the main obstacle she faces it's kind of uh, weird in its placement and timing in the film or or whatever, but that's it's true. near the end and she suddenly loses all of her powers. And that's scary. yeah. It is right at the end of the movie. Yeah, because she says that it's like in the last act, if she's a witch like... and then she can't fly, what does that mean about her now? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of unclear why she all of a sudden loses her powers, which I think is interesting because it it leads to some theorizing. She's like, there's like these different, uh, she's trying to figure out why she lost her powers. Um, yeah, and like you said, she senses maybe this is an indication that I'm not meant to be a witch. Mm-hmm. But she has a friend who is a an artist living in the woods that she goes and visits. And this artist, uh, I think, pretty clearly lays out uh, a um, meaning of losing the powers, which is basically um, comparing her flying powers to, uh, to the mysterious powers of creativity that an artist harnesses in their craft. I felt like that was... Uh, Miyazaki. Oh, uh, totally. Kind of <clears throat> poking his head in right there. And Kiki's Delivery Service, the movie is based on a book. And in the book, there was no losing her powers. And in the book, there was no blimp at the end. What was the he conflict? The, the, it was more episodic. The book was more episodic. And it was just like a series of little cute vignettes of vignettes and uh. little cute foibles and things like, like the cat getting. Like losing the toy cat and then having her cat poises, pose as the toy cat. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of little things. Um, but Miyazaki was like, we want this to be more like profound. And so she's going to face like a more mysterious obstacle. And him being an artist, you know, mm-hmm. drawing these parallels, which I think is like brilliant. And I love what the artist tells her. The artist in the woods tells her. She's like... You know, when you start out with your powers, maybe you're doing it for someone else, um, and it's it's kind of ha- hasn't become your own, which could be seen as symbolized by um, she took the mo- the her mother's broom instead of her own broom, and and uh, Kiki herself mentions that you know flying is fun, but she's only been doing it for business lately, and it's not the same, mm, and so doing yeah. it for money, like like an artist who who's forced to like make art just for money or whatever to get by. And then that muse disappears or the powers disappear. And then 
you just have to kind of like wait, like wait. just chill, just live chill your life and live and just wait for an inspiration to come and get you. And f- I thought it was. I, I like that when it, <clears throat> her flying comes back at the end, it's oh, yeah. not just like an instant and simple thing either. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of rocky and unpredictable, and you're not sure she's swerving all around, but she is like getting it back. And then in the end credit, she seems to be flying smooth again. Right. Yeah. But I and that's cool. I, I like how she starts off with her mother's broom, and that kind of represents maybe how her motivation and at the beginning with her witch's powers was just sort of, she wants to be like her mother, uh, you know, up until that point in her life, she had been learning witch's powers and stuff mm-hmm. just because her mom's a witch and, you know, she's just kind of learning from her mom. But now that she is off on her own, she needs to kind of get her own uh, reason for being a witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the distinction between those two motivations is... Her mother's broom breaks, and when she starts flying again, she has to borrow that man's kind of push broom, mm-hmm. and that sort of becomes very emblematic. And at the end, in the credits, you can see there's like in the sign that they put out in front of the store, it's her on the push broom. Oh. There's a little girl that walks by that's dressed like her for some reason, mm-hmm. like just kind of a fan, mm-hmm. and she has a little push broom. Oh, so it becomes her iconic thing. Yeah, I yeah. didn't even notice that. I didn't notice. I did notice that she took the. I'm very smart, room, but <laughs> I didn't I notice that she kept on smartness. flying that one. Um, she does try to like whittle her own thing when she's in her frantic mode. Do you mm-hmm. guys remember that when she has lost her powers and her mom's broomstick broke, and so she's like quickly trying to like just whittle a new one because she had made her own broomstick at the very beginning. Yeah, her mom convinces her to take hers. And so, anyways, but I guess that didn't work when she tried to make her own. But maybe or it was because of her I, state of mind. I think she kind of lost interest in it. I didn't. She didn't put it. I didn't see it after. She just. I just saw her whittling it, and then afterwards, she was just kind of walking around, mm-hmm. like she. It never showed her trying it or anything. Mm. Yeah, she was kind of in a frantic mindset. So, what is her inspiration at the end? She's been. Yeah. How does because I, I, it has something to do with her, the relationship with the boy. Yeah. I think with Tombo, but what do you think? My thought is that her inspiration is like is friendship or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which I think is I think I think cool. it's I think it's her inspiration is her kind of coming out of her shell a little bit. Yeah. Because she's been very shy up until that point. Yeah. Uh like it takes a lot for it takes the the baker lady uh, tricking her into going and delivering a package to the boy for them to finally kind of have this first friendship moment where they, they, he shows her his cool bike with the propeller on it and they go, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, riding around and stuff. And, uh, but then, and so there's a, so the friendship begins to bloom a little bit, but then when, when those other people show up in the car, the other kids, mm-hmm. then she kind of loses her, mo- her, she loses her, uh, self-confidence a little bit. She gets shy. She gets shy again, uh, cause it's these new people she's not sure about. And she probably recognizes the girl that she delivered the herring pie to. Mm-hmm. And so maybe feels a little bit, you know. I don't fit in around here. Yeah. She seems like she suddenly realizes that, like, she'd let herself go a little bit with Tombo, and 
meaning she let herself relax and just be like mm-hmm. a kid again and making friends. And then suddenly when the other kids appear, she's like, wait a second. I, I don't belong. I'm weird. Mm-hmm. I can't. And she, she's kind of like paralyzed again by her own timid self. Yeah. So then her flying powers are like, go away. It's like, it's like, um, uh, what am I trying to say? When she's on the precipice of like evolving, but she's resisting like the next stage in her life or whatever, then the powers go away. Uh, There's a theory of depression from a Jungian perspective um, and and you know there's a lot of different experiences of depression, but there's one uh, explanation or account of depression is is it's energy going from the from the conscious to the subconscious because something needs to be reorganized because as you know as things are currently in the in your conscious setup, it, it something is missing and to get to your next stage of evolution you maybe need to go through a period of depression and then emerge, you know, with things rearranged. And so that's a way that you could think of Kiki's losing her powers and then she emerges as a more social person. Mm-hmm. Nice. What do you think about uh, about Gigi and uh, how at the end of the movie, Gigi does not speak again? Because that was part of her losing her powers is Gigi uh, just turns into a regular cat. Mm-hmm. But in the uh, subtitles, and therefore in the dubbed version, uh, um, Phil Hartman comes in with a little quip again at the very end. Mm-hmm. But in the Japanese version, he just meows, yeah. the cat. Yeah. Which, I don't know what that means. Maybe it just means the cat speaking... Uh, like the cat turned into a regular cat, not because of her her magic, but just because it fell in love with that white cat, mm-hmm. and that made him turn into a regular cat. Right. Maybe I don't know. An interpretation I read was not that the cat turned into a regular cat, but that Kiki lost her ability to understand cat language. Mm. When she lost her ability to fly, she yeah. lost her ability to understand cat language. And so she but got her she flying regained... back, but not... Yeah. Mm. And because, from what I read, Miyazaki saw Gigi as representing her immature side. And so when she lost her immature side, mm. she didn't she didn't gain back her immaturity. Hmm. So kind of like when you're a kid, you can understand cats if you're a good uh, witch. But growing up, you give up, and adults can't. And so that's part of her transition to adulthood. Interesting. Yeah. That's really cool, because that's one part that it always kind of had me stumped. I was like, I don't... But that's lost in the English dub. Yeah. Oh, cause he because does. he but, speaks at the end. But it's also kind of lost, in, or not super clear in the Japanese version either. Well, you got to be smart. Yeah. you got to be thinking real deep. Mm-hmm. And see it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably. I like that interpretation. I don't know if I'd ever have come to it on my own, but now that it's been presented to me, I like thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I like thinking about it, too. I'm doing it right now, and mm, I like that. Mm. Let me try it out. Hmm. How was it thinking about it? 
I like that. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And, uh, you know, we'd like to invite all the nibblers at home to just take a second, just think about that. Yeah. We'll let See you... See if you like it. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, and do that now. All right. And that yeah, email address is uh, thejibblers at gmail.com. So, no uh, spaces or anything? Just the gibblers. Uh, 15 spaces. Okay. Yeah. 15 spaces first, or just scattered throughout sporadically, and you guess where they are. Um, 15 spaces first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You, you do 15 spaces and then the gibblers. Dot com. Yeah. At gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. At gibmail.net. Mm hmm. At ggibs.mail.com. And that's... Is that the end? The end. Oh. Cool. Is it? Are we done? We did it. Well, <laughs> I'll say that we Do we have anything else to say? Oh, I had one uh, thing to say. I think it's interesting oh. that... Um, that... So, this... Uh, so, My Neighbor Totoro was... Miyazaki. Yeah. And then we watched uh, Grave of the Fireflies, Takahata. Mm. And then this is, I felt like, especially the Japanese version without all the banter and the comedic cat and all that kind of stuff, it felt very similar to My Neighbor Totoro with the kind of, it, it's it's much quieter. Yeah. But also, uh, just like the, the lack of uh, a clear bad guy. You right. know, yeah, it's like he did. Uh, he did two adventury ones in a row, mm-hmm. sci-fi adventury uh, environmentalist ones in a row. Nausicaa and Laputa. Yeah, and then he did two uh, storybook <laughs> ones. Brooke just gave me a look of of what did you just say? Uh, we discussed that in the Laputa. In the sorry, I did not intend to say it that way. In the Laputa episode. That's the that's the actual name of Castle in the Sky, but in English they changed it to Castle in the Sky because there are a lot more Spanish speakers. Yeah, yeah. I, that's all I could think of. I was very <laughs> shocked. Speaking of which, in Spain, W W I T C H. Speaking of which, <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. You did it, dude. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> in uh, in Spain, this is true. In Spain, they changed it to the name from Kiki's Delivery Service to whatever the Spanish equivalent of Nikki's Delivery Service because Kiki apparently translates to something lewd. In Spain. In in there's a Spanish like phrase that means to have sex. That's something something Kiki. Huh. And yeah. so they changed it to That's Nikki's. Didn't delivery. make it over to Chile. Yeah, I'm interested in that. In sex? No, in what? I mean, just there's interesting Spanish dialect words that are bad in different places, and I yeah, want to keep I'll them uh, on my radar so I don't make a big mistake. Should True. I bust it out in the Wikipedia? Yeah, do you it. Here, here. Did. I'll show. Oh, it's right here. Nikki la aprendiz de bruja. Oh, is what they made it because there's a slang expression. Plug your Spanish child. If you anyone out there has adopted a Spanish child, plug their ears. Echar un kiki, which means to have 
<clears throat> to have intercourse. Echar un kiki. There's so many Spanish phrases. What for... does echar mean? <laughs> like to throw out, but like, yeah, it's like. Give it. Mm-hmm. Or throw it. Or, yeah. Throw it, toss, toss it. Yeah, mm-hmm. sort of like toss it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Aaron interrupted you, Brooke. Oh, he did a little point. bit. Did yeah. I? What were you saying? Well, I was just going to say, we mentioned that I wrote an essay, and it was for this collection. Can about... I just say, I really like this <laughs> you film. You did it, Aaron. Uh, Aaron, what? huh? <laughs> do you know what interrupt is? What? Did you know? Do you know what interrupt is? Did I do it again? You did it again. Oh, uh, I'm so sorry, Brooke. Go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. I just, uh, beware future guests. You're always interrupting on this Don't listen podcast. to her. Future guests, come on down. We'd love to have you. <laughs> we are so inviting, and we're really good people. We'll put you up uh, in our in our guest room here. Yeah, our studio doubles as sort of a bedroom. There's two beds, uh, and there are some... There's... Uh, furniture. Furniture. I'll cook you some breakfast... By the way, they changed uh, Kiki in, Jap- in the Japanese version drank coffee, and they changed it to hot chocolate in this version. All of these facts are coming back to me. Oh, very interesting. Um, yeah, I was so I was just going to mention that. Uh, so I wrote an essay about this film for a collection of essays, a, a, a book called Mormonism in the Movies, and it's a collection of um, yeah essays about film and theology and religion and faith and movies and how that intersects. So if you're interested in that, you could find that book sometime in the future. But um, Hashtag so Mormonism and the movies. Mormonism and the movies. I have a piece in there as well. Dude, okay. hashtag it. Um, and so my essay kind of looks at the central theme or conflict in Kiki's delivery service and relates that to what it's like to uh, come of age in a religious sense. So go, going through kind of a faith crisis and trying to find your own faith rather than, so I was looking at that broomstick metaphor and you, you kind of inherit a broomstick from your parents or from your mother. And mm. then what happens when it breaks and how do you get That's a new true. broomstick? You got to find a new broomstick from some dude on the street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's not everyone. One. Not everyone does. Or some people, uh, they get like a mop. Yeah. You know, sometimes it changes. Sometimes it sometimes changes. Sometimes it changes kind of drastically, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, I think that the probably most direct uh, metaphor would be for an artist's block or something. In fact, I never had thought before about how she really does say something about it's not the same anymore because now she's doing it for money. That mm. seems more like an artist thing. But I think that it can be applied to lots of coming-of-age type experiences. I totally think that that's great interpretation because how of how mysterious and and subconscious uh how Miyazaki makes his films from his subconscious and he describes them as like a dream and so he's totally down for the you know these plot elements that he puts in and and it just kind of feels right you know it feels interesting to him He's totally down for it to have meanings that he never, you mm. know, intended or that he didn't see. And maybe he did see that, but... Not you know, consciously. Yeah, it's... I've heard it described as it's, like, manifold with meaning. And so it's, like, overly uh, 
it can have basically it just mm-hmm. means it can have multiple meanings you know yeah and i feel like there is something in common uh with creative inspiration and then and like spirituality mm. which was actually the thought that led me down this road to write this essay i was just thinking about how is like having kind of a rich religious or spiritual life and really feeling kind of the magic of that mm. similar to like and then losing it that does feel in some ways similar to like an artist block mm-hmm. or something a writer's and, block and it takes creativity to reimagine and you know mm-hmm. and that that was just a fascinating thought to me because i don't think i'd heard that parallel before but i think there's a lot in common with getting writer's block or artist block or something and also like kind of losing a piece of your spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooke, you've recently gone off. Uh, well, you've, you've gone off before when you went off to college, but now, but you recently went off to a little, uh, a little hamlet in the hills of Colorado. True. And you're going to get on your broomstick tomorrow morning and head back. I am. I am living in Boulder, Colorado. So did, I, I wonder if you if you relate your current uh, foray into independence and using mm. your creativity to find your place. I do. To that or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I feel a little bit like a 13-year-old witch. Yeah. In Boulder. No one gets me there. Good. You, you can do it. <laughs> Thanks. I learned that I can do it. I feel freshly inspired. I'm glad that I gave that another another viewing. And you know, you nibblers out there, if any of you are thinking that you can't, that maybe you can't do it, uh, I would say, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And, and it might take a little, like, a break to spend some time lying around, as the artist in the movie said. You know, take a nap in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. and uh, but just trust that, uh, you know, you can do it. Yeah. That's a very positive note. Yeah, well, I got our nibblers back. Yeah, we got your back. Um, should we end with uh, a bit of the mailbag? Oh, yeah. Did we get some letters this week? Yeah, uh, we got some physical letters. Um, let me go grab them. Letters from our esteemed, precious nibblers out there. Here we go. Whoa, look at that. I got one right here. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, Let me open it up. That's creative creative packaging, Mm -hmm. I have to say. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it kind of looks like a kind of a box. It's made of plastic. Wow. Uh, and let me read it right here. It says, uh, it says it's from Ashley in North Carolina. Oh, oh! I almost thought it was going to be the Ashley. I know. I know too. I think, uh, not, well, they don't live there. Apparently we have another listener named Ashley, <laughs> uh, in North Carolina. I know some Ashley's too. You do? Yeah. I have a sister-in-law named Ashley. She lives in Texas. And then I have a best friend named Ashley, but she lives in Mississippi, so it's neither of those. I have a coworker named Ashley, and one time I uh, went had a class with a girl named Ashley. 
I know a new Ashley in my current graduate program, but she lives in Colorado, so I don't think it's her either. How many Ashleys do you know? <laughs> Count them off with us. One, One two, two, three. three. Good job. If there's more than three, you can just continue with, <laughs> with the base 10 numeric system. And that was the educational counting portion of the show. Uh, now back to the mailbag. Uh, so this is what from Ashley say? Willis. Read it word for word. Okay, this says, uh, help, I'm being held hostage. All I could grab was this box made of plastic, and I'm writing on it with a crayon. Please help, 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 help. I'm going to send this. Uh, it's just, and then it cuts off. Oh my! Why do you think she contacted us? Um, Ashley, was there a question in there? For yeah, that us, doesn't seem like it's uh, really. It's not, not even really addressed relevant. to us. Yeah. So you know, try again. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed kind of all about her. Yeah, and it. It didn't it didn't even really say anything about us or how good we are. So I'm not interested in it. So I have this letter right here. All right. Wow. You whacked me on the head with that the letter. That I uh, forgot about. <laughs> <laughs> Opening it up. Opening it up. <laughs> ah, come on. Get ah. that open. Okay, oh. there we go. Oh, there we go. Uh, this is from uh, Craig from Nova Scotia. Oh, that's a large some... region of the of Canada. No, it's actually not that large of a region. <laughs> oh, well, the... Not many people know it's actually. Um... Or is it? No, wait. No, I'm thinking of Newfoundland. Is Nova Scotia large? It's a ten foot by ten foot square. That's really right small. Right above Maine. Right, right above Maine. No, this is Nova Scotia, Maine. Sorry, did I say Canada? Oh, it's it says a, Maine. It's a little Canada. town in Maine. It's yeah. literally just Craig. Yeah. Uh, Craig's the mayor, and he says, he says, uh, Hello from Nova Scotia, Maine. Hmm. I'm sitting here eating a lobster and listening to your lovely podcast. What oh, you know what, Scott? I bet he really loved uh, our uh you, you know what I'm talking castle about. Castle in the Sky. Yeah, our Castle in the Sky episode where we talked about those delicious uh, looking lobsters. Uh, Craig, I'm sure that if but they keep made, reading. If keep they reading, made Castle he might, in the Sky. He might talk about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, actually, speaking of speaking of that, he says, oh. I'm, eating the, I'm, I'm listening to you right now, eating this lobster. First of all, Craig, how can you be listening to us and writing at the same time? I don't know if you're listening very... How can you be? How can you be listening, writing, and eating a lobster? That's he's good. Craig's good at multitasking. So okay, but I'm yeah, just, props to you, Craig. I guess. Yeah, but I hope you. I hope he doesn't miss any of our giblets and factoids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it says I really appreciated your um, mention of lobsters in Castle in the Sky. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. And uh, so. He said, my, the funniest thing, my Cocker Spaniel <laughs> dog seems to love your guys' voices whenever I'm <laughs> listening to your podcast. He just perks up and wags his little tail. Okay, well, this is for you, Cocker Spaniel little guy. 
Uh, woof, woof. Uh, <laughs> Am I and, right? And may I add a bow wow. Oh, there we go. Guys, that's too cute. And um, he says, you brighten my day in every way. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing and never forget that you're changing people's lives literally. Wow. Doing this. Uh, signed, Craig, the mayor of Nova Scotia, Maine. Wow. Thank you so much, That's Craig. really nice of him to write in. Keep that. listening. I'm sorry uh, we made fun of you for eating lobster and listening and writing at the same time. I'm you're sure doing a great you're job. A you're a good mayor. Uh, keep it up. What you got there, Brooke? Oh, oh another letter. Look at that letter. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not sure if it's a letter. Oh, you, that actually just looks kind of like a, a kakui nut lay from the wall. Mm. But is that from a nibbler? No, I think I just, I, I thought it was a letter, but it's not. Ah, that's okay. Uh, Easy mistake to make. Yeah. Um, is that it? I haven't actually checked our, our email address, uh. Uh, but I highly doubt that there's anything in it. So that's fine. Yeah. But... We mentioned it several times in the middle. 15 spaces first, then. The Jibblers at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. T H E G H I B L E R S. That's right. Just like what you spelled in your podcasting app to get to our page. Can't wait to hear from you. If you write in, we'll read exactly what you send us word for word without screening it beforehand. And yeah. That's a promise. That's a Jibbler promise. You can take that to the Jibbler Bank. The Jank. And signing out from the Rocky Mountains. Oh, wait. We should tell our Nibblers about going to bed and stuff. Oh, yeah. Nibblers, it's time to lay your pretty heads down and close those eyes. That's right. It's bedtime. Rest your bodies. Frankly, I don't think you should be staying up this late, but that's okay. We won't tell anyone. We're your friends. Set your alarm clock for tomorrow morning. Go ahead and set it 15 minutes early. Give yourself a 15-minute snoozer on us. You deserve it. You've been working so hard. You've been just plowing away on your fields. We assume you're all farmers. Just... (laughs) Go into town on those plants, just really wrecking havoc, just doing whatever farmers do, just punching them. Reaping and sowing. Just really reaping them. Sowing them, apparently, is what farmers do, and I know it. Watering. Because I know what farmers do. Brooke they water. a good point about watering. That's true. I almost left that out. Farmers water plants. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, from Rocky Mountains, home of the Jibblers, you're beautiful. Never forget it. Alright, that sounds good. Hopefully we've been recording.